to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Today what we're doing is we're going into week two of our series and we're looking at an amazing series called Two, which is just a genius name because last year we did a series called One, which was Mark chapter one. I know, the creativity in this church is just overwhelming. And um, we're going through the second chapter of Mark for this month. So if you want to open your Bibles or if you've got the City Hill London app, there's a Bible in there for you. It'll be the ESV, which is the same translation that I'm reading from. And we're going to be looking at... Mark chapter 2, verse 13. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So I was reading this story this week and a few things really kind of struck me and really hit me straight between the eyes. The first thing that hit me was that if I had been in Jesus' shoes and I was a bivocational rabbi choosing for a new follower, this guy would not have been it. There's a a telling fact here. It says, he went out beside the sea. He's in Galilee. He's by the sea in Galilee. And as he's passing by, there is a tax booth. Now, a tax booth that's by the sea is for one reason only, and it's to tax fishermen. And you may not have noticed, but in Mark 1, the people that he generally calls are fishermen. So the large part of his group of the 12 disciples who were also apostles, because he had loads more disciples than that, 12 they called apostles, a large percentage, the most significant percentage, are actually fishermen. So in this moment as he's walking along, and if we think back to Peter's encounter, he's on the boat, Jesus says, follow me, and Peter says, leave me, I'm a sinner. I'm not up to this, I missed the mark, I'm not good enough, I fall short. Now, in their culture, in their society, you'd go through the academic routes, and at some point, if you failed as a a young Jewish boy coming to the age of around about 12 to 13, when you switched to being 13, if you'd failed in those test exams, no rabbi would pick you or take you on to be a social innovator and a lawmaker within your society. At that point, you'd be told, I'm sorry, son, you go and learn your father's trade. So Peter, somewhere along the line, had gone to learn his father's trade and now there's a rabbi in his boat that's given the opportunity of a lifetime like X Factor, a rock star, judges houses, you're coming to my house. And Peter gets this moment, he's like, no, you don't understand, I'm not good enough, I don't hit this, I'm not, I'm not on these levels, I, I missed the mark. And Jesus says, yeah, I know that, I'm gonna make you something else, I'll make you a fisher of men. So then when he's walking along and he's got fishermen that are following him and are part of the main group with him, when you're walking along and you go, Yo, Levi, come follow me. You can understand, like, talk about fishermen, you're rocking the boat. Because they're from Galilee. And if this guy hasn't robbed them, he's robbed all their boys. And so now you're following a rabbi who's bringing someone in that you don't like. Someone that 
you don't feel comfortable with, someone that you don't want in your inner circle. I also think about him as a tax collector, secondary, that the Jewish people are living under occupation, the Romans are there, they've mistreated them, they've rolled up to their party and they've said, Caesar is Lord, and if you disagreed, the centurions took you out and killed you and took control, or you paid them taxes, and so the taxes would be given to Caesar because Caesar is Lord, and these tax collectors, they are collaborators with the enemy. They not only are collaborators with the enemy, helping to strengthen their position politically and economically, but they also, with the weight of Caesar's centurions behind them, take more money from you than they should so they can line their own pockets. So your whole life you've been a fisherman on these seas trying to bust a living to provide for your family through the good seasons and the bad, and now Jesus is bringing on to the boat with you in your bandwagon someone who's been pilfering and making your life difficult all those years. Some of you guys may have signed up for our texting discipleship thing. If you didn't, I'm sorry, you missed out on this one. We've been talking about Jesus Gym Buddy because when you go to the gym in the new year, you don't get any gains unless you have a buddy with you that pushes you to do more than you would do on your own. And one of the first things we talked about is actually, you know what? 2019, you've got to lose a few pounds. You can't go into 2019 carrying unforgiveness on top of you. You don't want to be carrying people around with you on your backs as you try and live this life. You know, sometimes I've spoken to a few different Christians down the years and they've had all these different problems with churches, all these different problems with different people and all these different problems with different things. And actually when you get down to the, 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 the matter, it's unforgiveness. They're just carrying. They don't even think about it. They don't think that's the main thing, but they can't flourish because they can't let go. And the Bible is so clear. If we don't forgive, God doesn't forgive us. If last year was a bit stifling, I just want to say the first thing I would always point a finger at before you get into anything else is, is there someone I need to forgive? Is there someone I need to let go? Because you'll find out when you let them go, you find out you actually let yourself go. It's the only way you get free. You think you're setting them free. You're not. You set yourself free when you forgive. And so when I think about the mix and how the, the disciples must have taken the news when Jesus says to Levi, come follow me, I think for quite a large proportion of them, it had been very, very unsettling. It's funny, you see, everyone always talks about in churches, and I've done consultancy with a number of different churches in different areas and different, helping them reach different demographics and peoples that they want to reach, and generally young people, that every church I go to goes to me, and we really want to reach young people, and then I sit through the service and I realize everything they've done, everything they've said, says you don't want to reach young people. You know what I mean? It's like the announcements are 25 minutes. The young person doesn't care about your announcements. You printed them out, you've emailed them, they're on the billboard, they're on the screen behind them. Why have you just spent another 20 minutes of their lives making them want to hang themselves? And then not only sometimes when, when you've sung, you've sung to a God they don't understand, don't believe in, and sometimes um, you've sung in a, I don't know, somewhere from the 18th century. And then when you prophesy, you speak in 16th century English, like somehow God all powerful and almighty he just can't say anything without thy or thou. I, d I don't understand this. I don't understand it. It's just, it's, it's mad. Or you go to the other extreme where all of a sudden you prophesy and it's no longer God but Gad, which I find very confusing because there's a tribe called Gad in the Bible. They're one of the 12 tribes. And I'm always turning to my neighbor next to me and going, is he talking about Gad Gad or God Gad? I, I don't know which one. Is this anointing or is it the 12 tribe? Because I'm really confused where we are right now. And we do all these things and we don't, 
we don't bear these people in mind. And then Jesus does this thing, which is crazy, because you see, when you, if you start, if you start reaching or you start creating a space for, for people to come from all different backgrounds and all different types of issues, everyone says they want to reach people till they reach people. Because when you reach people, you start having a few problems. When you reach people, you start loving on someone that other Christians have a problem with you loving or treating that way. And you think that wouldn't happen because they're Christians. And Jesus said he desires mercy, not sacrifice. But you'd be surprised how quickly it descends to a moment where people are going, oh, but people at your church hang around with these types of people. People at your church treat gay people this way. My church, we treat them that way. You don't have to spend too much time to find yourself in a position where you have to make an actual choice. Are you going to fit in with the, in the Christian subculture or are you going to fit in with Jesus? Because I just want you to know that when he did this moment, people were not happy with him. People were trolling him online. People would have been on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. People would have been talking to their friends. They would have been slagging him off. Like you have to understand that when he calls Levi, he doesn't just mess with his group, he messes with everyone. So much so, and then the key word, verse 15, as he reclined at the table in his house. Like, there's, there's an element where you can say about a minister and you can say about him, oh, you know what? He was, he was just ministering to that, that, that messed up person on Sunday that's a bit crazy and has a bit of a life issues. But Jesus isn't doing that. He's reclining at the table with him. So the way their culture was, you'd have like tables in a house. It wouldn't be tables like this. It'd be a U shape. And when it says you reclined, it meant you were in the, he would have been in the seat of the guest of honor. And the men would have been like either side of him, the table in a U and like sofas all around it. A bit like these actually, low like that, but they'd have gone out like you see on the end of like, you know those sofas that come out like in an L shape and then there's no back to it. It's like that, that way just sticks out and they would have been laying towards the, the food and you'd have had reclining. It meant they'd have been leaning their, their head on his chest. It had been this intimacy. So when there's this moment where it says, as he reclined at the table, this isn't, this isn't Jesus who's going, you're a tax collector, arm's length, you know, Holy Spirit's distance between us. I know that's for sexual relations, but I just thought it was funny for tax collectors. You just got to keep a Bible length between us. Like, you know, Jesus isn't doing it. He's laying his head on the chest of a collaborator. And when, and when they're looking, they're seeing him in the house, they're seeing him with them. Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I've got to be honest with you guys, I totally bottled it this week. Really unfortunate. This always happens to me though. I ever nail it. Whatever, whatever I'm about to preach on, so many times, whatever I'm about to preach on is what happens to me in the week. I'm not even kidding you, it happens all the time. I remember the second Sunday we ever did City Hill, I was preaching on the passage where Moses said, I wish I never came. He stepped out. The first week we did City Hill was legendary. Second week we did City Hill, the door was locked. We couldn't get in. I ran around Clapham Common going to people trying to throw money at businesses. Let's use a room, let's use a room. One guy, one guy had room. He goes, I don't want a church anywhere near here. Like, you know, no way. I was like, I'll give you more money, double the money. Like, I think I offered it something like 600 quid just to have a room upstairs somewhere. 
He was like, no way, I don't want anything to do with you guys. I was like, ah, 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 freaking out, running around all over Clapham. I get back here and I'm going to my wife like, ah, 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 what are going to do, what are going to do? And then guests were turning up for the first ever time because it was our second ever service. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. It got really bad. And then the MRI said, go ask Nero. I asked Nero. We had worship in Nero down the road, downstairs. One of the worst experiences of my entire life. I had a guest worship leader and we actually did worship in Nero. And I could hear people behind me going, I think they're doing church service over there. <laughs> and then some of the guys who were there are like proper Christian, like not like me, proper Christian. And they're going like, oh, we were such a witness today. I was like, we were a nuisance. <laughs> That's not a witness. Oh my gosh. And then there was this guy, Christian, who was here last Sunday. He, he was there. It was his first ever Sunday. I'd met him in the week in Stratford and got in a conversation at Nando's with this guy. I met him for the first time and said, he said church didn't work for him. I said, man, you got to come to my church, man. You'll love it. Listen, if you don't love it, you don't ever have to come back. I was so confident from the first week. You don't ever have to come back. Don't worry about it. He's like, wow, okay. He came and he can't get in. And I'm like, Jesus, take it the wheel. Or me, either one, I don't care. And we go there, we do this service. And at the end, I go, let me, let me repair the damage. I went, hey, guys, we're all going to go to, it's where the burger place over there is now, but it used to be a bar. Let's go there, have lunch. And so I used church money, paid for everyone to have lunch. Like, yeah, oh, we've redeemed it. We've saved it. As we walk out of the venue, we come across the road and walk with Christian, we're chatting. And it's like, oh, man, nailed it. Nailed it. Yes, we pulled through. We survived the second week of church. He stops. And I'm like, oh, what's the matter? And he goes, my bike's gone. I'm a personal trainer and I need it to go see my clients. I remember the night before, I was preparing a talk and I went, one day I'll know what Moses feels like. I didn't know it'd be the next day. I didn't know I'd be coming to church going like, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I didn't know I'd be standing outside thinking, I want to run in front of a bus because if I break my leg, they'll have sympathy and I won't need to preach. I'll tell you this week, this is the text I get and I'm, I'm with some guys and the way they are talking is just absolutely terrible. Like, I've had mates that talk terrible, but this was bad. And I'm really uncomfortable. And then this woman walks past that I know from another church and he just says the most inappropriate thing. And I'm looking at him and I'm just like, no, please. I know her, I know her. I used to work at her church, please, no, no. But that was the dumbest thing I ever could have done. It'd have been better for me to have joined in than say, no, don't do this. Because then when he gets his food with the other guys, they sat at the table next to her and just had inappropriate conversation after inappropriate conversation. I'm just standing there trying to rebuff it, rebuff it, trying to guide it. It's not happening to the point where she goes, can you guys? And I just had to, I gotta go guys, I gotta go. I bottled it. I, I tried to ride it out for like 20 minutes. And then 20 minutes I was like, I can't, I gotta go, I gotta go. And I legged it out there. And then I get all these messages like, hey bro, why'd you, why'd you leave? It's like, oh my gosh, like, blow my brains out. It was difficult. And I started to read this and I started to think, oh, Jesus, you need to do, you need to do work in me. Like, how do I deal with these situations? You know, it's tough. I think sometimes you do have to have moments. So I want to put the disclaimer in here. You don't have to sit through everything. You don't have to stay in every single moment. I just want you to let you know, I'm never letting go. I'm never letting go of this guy. I want him to know Jesus and that's my goal and I'm not stepping away. I want to encourage everyone this morning with sometimes when I do a message like this, it's hard because you want to say something that's kind of crazy and kind of outrageous and kind of gracious and scandalous. But at the same time, the problem is as Christians is I've been in churches where people have taken scenarios like this and made it a case of forgiveness and how you treat people being positioning yourself for more abuse. Like if someone abused one of my beautiful little girls, I tell you what, they wouldn't be in 
she wouldn't be in their care again. That's not saying I couldn't forgive that person or I hadn't forgiven them, but you wouldn't place it there again. You know what I mean? Sometimes you've got to protect yourself. Not all of us, I'm not Jesus, you're not Jesus. And we have to acknowledge that, but at the same time, we also have the mentality, which is the opposite of how church has become now, where we just constantly avoid being any position where a Levi gets called. Do you hear what I'm saying? If I was Jesus, Levi never gets called. And I want to put out the, the, the assumption today, and you, I, I could be way wrong. You guys could probably list to me maybe 10 people you've called recently to follow Jesus who are absolutely out there, crazy, nutters. I feel so often when it comes to church and having a conversation about faith or inviting someone to church, we look around, we survey, we're like by the sea walking along. Jesus goes straight to the tax booth in Galilee, upsetting his whole band of followers, making it hashtag awkward, and at the same time, transforms a life completely broken and ruined. He sees it. But you and I, what we do is when it comes to talking about faith and when it comes to inviting someone to church, we go for... We go for the, the guy in the Mr. Muscle adverts like 20 years ago. You know, Mr. Muscle loves the jobs you hate. Maybe I'm too old. I don't know. I think I'm way too old. I'm way too old. I'm past it. I'm just younger than I look. Like, you know, the guys like that. Like, uh, or Norman. Or I don't know. Someone, someone who's beige. Sorry if anyone knows someone called Norman. Sorry if your dad's called Norman. Sorry if I just cussed out Norman. But you know what I mean? A beige envelope. You know, you get, a, a, you get mail and it's a beige envelope. It's a bill. You're not excited. You might not even open it. I paid it, whatever. Don't want to look at it. But like you get a real envelope, you're like, oh yeah. Some people are beige envelopes. And when it comes to church, we always go for beige envelopes. When it comes to sharing faith, we always go for the beige envelope. We never call out a tax collector. You know what I mean? We never call out someone who makes us uncomfortable. We don't step out into those kind of zones. Which is so weird because everyone has gone to a church at some point where someone's told an incredible story about someone's life being transformed and changed. And we've gone, I want that story. But we don't want to call. Like, you read this and go, I want that. I want to see a Levi changed. I, w- I want to see people on the fringes. I want to be reclining with them. I want to be chilling with them. I want to see them transformed. I love that in church. And then we're like, mm, maybe not. Hashtag bit awkward, bit uncomfortable. I feel like today you and I miss out on so many opportunities to see and experience transformation. I feel like we miss out on so many different things. I want to put a challenge out to every single one of us. It's a challenge that went out on the Jesus um, Gym Buddy um, and text that we've been doing, the discipleship, the challenges and stuff. I want to put out a challenge to everyone today from the base of this text. I want you this week to tell, have a conversation with one person where it's awkward about Jesus. One person. I don't want you to pick Norman. I don't want you to pick a manila or a beige envelope. I want you to pick one of the more troubling people in your life. We all have them, we all avoid them. But I feel like as Christians, we go like, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, except talk to that person about Jesus. You know what I mean? I don't know why I turned into Joel Osteen meets the Colgate man somewhere along the way, but it happened. Boom, I'll live with it. We always lower it. I want us to look at Jesus today, and I want you and I to do something crazy this week and call out someone because we don't know where it's going to lead. I'm going to pray for us. Father, I thank you that all of us here today at some point have been called out by you at some point and maybe we were distant, maybe we were far, maybe we were close, who knows? Maybe some of us were Normans, maybe others of us weren't, but we were in a unique scenario where you called us out from where we are. I pray that you would help us be found people who find people, 
I pray that you would help us be people that speak into other people's lives. I pray that you would help us not to always filter who we share you with because we tend to go for the lowest hanging fruit available. Yet when we look at you and the fishermen that you called that were mad, and when we look at you and the tax collector, someone your own followers would not have wanted to be with, and you called him and he followed you and his whole life transformed. Father, I pray that this week we would have eyes to see the people you want us to talk to about faith, not just the people we want to talk to about faith. In Jesus' name. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.